Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. My name is AJ Kearns. I am your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to those artists and designers who help bring to life your favorite beers and breweries from around the world. That's right, folks. We're taking this show globally. But this week's episode is episode number 30, 30. Muy bueno. It is very exciting that we are able to say that we've had 30 episodes. The 30-pack is full, and it is full of kick-ass artists and wonderful people. It's been a real pleasure. We're really having a great time doing this. This week's episode features Nick Gamma of Hops and Branding. You can check out his work out at hopsandbranding.com. Nick's story is an awesome story. It starts back at kind of the the height of the, the hip-hop era, Jive Records. We'll talk a little bit about that. I don't want to spoil it, though. So it's like one of those things that I don't want to tell you too much up front. I just want to tell you it's going to be a good one. And I like this one. And I'll preface it a little bit. You know, Nick and I met in 3D, so we sat down. We had a nice cold beer. There's a, a new brewery here in Connecticut, Bad Sons right there in the valley. It was nice. We sat outside, and, and you'll hear some of that. It's it's genuine. It's organic. It's definitely motorcycle-heavy at some points. But I listened to it a couple times, and I think it's great. We just imagine two guys sitting outside at a picnic table with a microphone, because that's definitely normally what you do when you're sitting outside with a, at a picnic table, and just catching up. And it was really great. It was natural. Nothing was forced. It was really uh, insightful. It was really great to learn how Nick works. You know the the key pivot points in his career from the music industry now to the the beer game. And if you're local in Connecticut like I am, you know Nick is somebody. As I mentioned, and I told Nick to him, you know, to his person, to his face, that when we were deciding to do this, you know, getting the word out there, and we we're trying to without being seen as spammy, you know, try to get the word out to the different groups and you know online communities and you know one of the big ones is the ct beer community and they're really supportive and there's a lot of folks who are just messaging me on the side oh you got to reach out to nick you got to reach out to nick so it was really great we got together nick's done a lot of great things in the connecticut beer community he works with some great breweries at our light hog river firefly hollow like i said you can check his work out at hopsandbranding.com you can also find him on the instagram and then where he does most of his heavy lifting is on the Twitter. So just like Nick, we're on Twitter. 16OZCanvas is where you can find us on there. You can find us the same on Instagram as well as Facebook. And then the website, 16OZCanvas.com. We're working on some new new setups, new ways to present the artists. But also realizing, you know, taking some feedback on the, you know, on the interview, you know, the visual version, you know, in their words. And trying to trying to improve it, We're, you know, it's a it's a growing, evolving, you know, piece of art. One six oz canvas We thank you for tuning in here each and every week. We are enjoying it. We're having a great time introducing you to these amazing artists, really getting to know them, seeing their work, and just trying to you know spread the word. So if you have a chance to head on over to iTunes, wherever your local podcast directory is. Leave us a review. It does help. 
it kind of, uh, it also feeds my insecurities, which is, you know, that's a whole nother thing, but maybe it saved me a couple sessions at the, the therapist. Regardless, we just want to thank you. And as we say, you and you and you. And also, you know, thanks to the breweries who work with, you know, folks like Nick, who look to bring their imagery, bring their branding, you know, their message to life. I think it's really important when you hold that beer, that bottle in your hand to know that a lot of thought and hard work went into that. You know, even before, you know, the pen and ink hit the, you know, hit the paper or the, the click of the mouse or that drag or that collage. A lot of hard work goes into it. So we just, you know, want to make sure that everyone realizes that when you hold that beer in your hand all the hard work that goes into it and we're doing our small part to introduce those folks to you. So without further ado, this is episode number 30, 30 of the 16 ounce canvas, the art of craft beer podcast. And this episode features the one and only the living legend himself, CT beer icon, Nick Gamma hops and branding right here. Enjoy my friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, sitting here live today in Derby, Connecticut at Bad Sons Tap Room with Nick Gamma of Hops and Branding. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm great, man. How are you? It's nice. We're sitting outside. Literally, yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful, perfect day. I know summer's officially over, but this is my kind of weather. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you for having me. I, I greatly appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you, and this, will, you know, this is just uh, icing on the cake, so everyone... When they've heard of the of the concept, especially locally here in Connecticut, everybody says you got to get Nick. You got to get Nick. So <laughs> Nick and I have been dancing for a while, and it's finally uh, nice to be able to sit down and uh, share a cold one and chat chat about what you're doing. Awesome. So for the folks who don't know, um, from my uh, research I've done on Nick, Nick goes way back. Uh, not to make Nick feel old, but just <laughs> yeah. as as we talk about each week, music is so important to us, and. Nick has a really unique career that we're going to talk about, and around the Connecticut area now, he has his own company, Hops and Branding. You can check that website out, hopsandbranding.com. You can find him on all the social sites, and it's really great to see kind of what you're doing now and what you've done throughout your career. So, really, like I said, thank you once again for being here. My pleasure, man. This is awesome. Awesome. So, if you were kind of doing your overall, you know, your pitch or your your story, your elevator, you know, <laughs> just summarize uh, to us, and we'll, we'll just kind of get started. You know, how you got into doing art and design wow um well i mean like you said not to make yourself feel old but it definitely it goes back uh, a bit um you know, i went to school in, in the city and um, when i graduated um i out of school i got um my first gig actually was a jive records uh, i was back in uh august of uh, 1989 uh, i started there and they were just about to um open their own art department. Uh, they had previously been working with RCA Records. And um, they uh, hired me shortly after that, like in February of uh, 1990. So I became full-time in the art department there. Um, and then worked in the record business for uh, about 15 years. Wow. I worked at Jive Records solely, and um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I was there really at the right time, golden age of hip-hop. It was just a fantastic time to be in, in the record business. Yeah. I mean, some of the your discography, which is great. Uh, it's even great if you, look, you Google Nick. There's, like, sites that do the proper justice, kind of, of the discography of 
the art that you created. So to see that <laughs> that laundry list was pretty was pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was just it was it was an amazing time in, in music, particularly hip hop. I was very fortunate uh, to be at Drive Records at the time. Um, you know, I was art directing and designing packaging. I was art directing photo shoots, uh, going out on location, traveling around the country. So it was really cool. I mean, it was it was absolutely amazing um, to be part of it. And looking back on it, it maybe even cooler than I, you know, yeah. Like when you kind of look back at stuff, it's pretty cool. So, um, you know, having the opportunity to work with such a great roster of artists. And what was cool is that the fact that it really changed over time. Started off as a small little hip hop label, and then morphed into this big pop powerhouse. So I started out working with Cool Modi and Houdini and Samantha Fox, Billy Ocean, um, and then over time uh, worked with uh, Boogie Down Productions, BDP, uh, worked with The Tribe Called Quest. Um, and for them, I um, my first foray into working with them was kind of helping out actually towards the end of working on the Can I Kick It 12-inch single and then um, did my first kind of album design with them for Low End Theory, right? where I did all the hand lettering that's on the album, and so the entire interior is all hand lettered, as well as the exterior and the tray card on the outside. So I did that, and then um, hand lettering for Midnight Marauders, and they were always just fantastic to work with, I mean, just, I mean, just genius, I mean, they were, they were amazing guys, and really had a lot to do with... Um, with Q-Tip, who was really kind of the creative mastermind behind their vision. So. That's that's great. Yeah, that the low end theory to that album, the imagery and, and the work on that kind of became almost like standard or iconic part of their brand. I mean, that, those characters and that, that look, you see that through all of their work throughout yeah, the, the history. I mean, it's really um, there was a the art director who had worked on that album was this woman, Jean Kelly. Um, and she kind of, she was in charge of setting up the photo shoot and working with get, uh, shooting the painted lady. That was actually a woman who was painted in Dayglow paint that they shot live yeah. at the time. Um, and then she had me do all the hand lettering for that. So it was, it was really cool cool to be part of that. And um, and then she also art directed and was kind of uh, in charge of uh, Midnight Marauders. Um, putting that together where we had done photo shoots on both sides of the um, country. We did uh, New York and then LA and just put out a kind of a bulletin to publicists and different labels like, hey, you guys, you artists want to come down, come down and we're doing these headshots for this photo shoot that's going to be on, on this upcoming uh, Tropical Quest album. So, um, and then I was able to do, um, you know, kind of do my lettering again for that. So for the title and for the, uh, for a tribe called Quest itself, so right, and you worked on KRS One, uh -huh. uh, you know, yep. and then you're saying the almost the complete opposite end of the spectrum. For when, you th when I think of Drive, I think of it as the hip hop. Yeah, most people do. I mean, that's really. But what it was actually for. exciting to look and see that, you know, all the boy band stuff, you know, Backstreet yep. Boys, which, yep. <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. I think is that's. I mean, the boy. You could argue the Jackson Five or all. You know, the the boy bands have been a staple of music forever. But mm -hmm. just to sure. see that. I would, yeah, I would originally, was, I was like shocked at how much stuff was on there. I mean, there's R. Kelly, uh, yep. Bud, Buddy Guy, yep. I mean, it was really a diverse, you know, portfolio of artists. Yeah, I mean, again, it was really, I was really fortunate yeah. with um, just the company had several kind of sub-labels. So Zomba Recording Corp was the parent company. 
Uh, Jive Records was their main, main label, but they also had Silvertone Records, which was a blues and rock label. And they also had Verity Records, which was a gospel label. So I got to work actually on a lot of gospel albums as well, which was an amazing experience. Or to really be involved with that was really eye-opening and, and just incredible. Just to be witness to that type of performance was really, really soul-stirring, so to speak. So, um, so they also had um, uh, Battery Records, which was kind of a label that they used to put records on that they didn't know what they wanted to do with. So we had um, purchased, um, uh, what was it? Um, we turned it into Volcano Records, but it was Zoo. Okay. I don't know if you remember Zoo Records from the 90s, and that was, Tool was on that, right. Matthew Sweet was on that, and um, Weird Al was also kind of part of Tool. He was part of another um, label. I'm trying to remember what that label was. Uh, Scotty Brothers. So they had purchased Scotty Brothers. So it's all, all this stuff kind of came our way. Yeah. And so it was super cool to kind of all of a sudden be able to work on all this. And, and I almost got to work with Tool, which would have been um, incredible. Yeah. But it, it didn't quite work out. But I did actually get to work with 311. Right. Which was really cool. Um, and then through Silvertone was Buddy Guy, John Mayall from John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Right. Um, so there was just so much there. It was just, like I said, I was totally right place, right time. And it just, I kind of wrote it out and it was great, great, great place to work. And I got to do everything from soup to nuts. So, so when I worked on stuff, it wasn't just designing. Like, I got to meet with the artists and the, and the management. I got to brainstorm with, with them and, 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 t and talk about what my, my concepts were, pitch those ideas, then make those ideas of fruition, setting up photo shoots, directing the photo shoots, producing the photo shoots, booking, you know, uh, travel, booking um, stylists, hair, makeup, um, booking um, uh, location vans, like you name it, I did it and worked on a range of stuff from basically like $500 photo shoots all in to, um, you know, uh, I forget what sync was, like $25,000 or, no, I mean $250,000. So that was a huge photo shoot that was done with, um, that was the No Strings Attached album. Right. And that was done with Mark Seliger, who was a big uh, Rolling Stone right. uh, cover photographer. So I worked with him on that. So it, it, the, the range was just incredible. So at one time, literally, I would do what we called um, kind of run and gun rogue kind of photo shoots where we'd fly in with the photographer, rent the van, I would drive the van, the artist would be in the van, we'd have some clothes, they would change clothes in the van, we'd jump out, shoot, no permits, no nothing, and then move on to the next location. <laughs> it was just crazy. It was crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. It's not like it, I don't know if you could do it today. I'm not sure. Like, I think there's too many people that are aware, too many cell phones, too many phones, camera phones. Like, that stuff didn't exist. Right. Now, so people weren't in your face and, 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 and filming stuff and posting it. Like, it just didn't happen. Yeah, as soon as you made that first location, you'd have been spotted by somebody. And yeah, then, potentially, yeah. And then it kind of would, would trickled, yeah. Yeah, like, hey, what are you guys doing, you know? Yeah. Like, I ran around Austin doing that with this kind of um, Stevie Ray Vaughan gunslinger blues guitarist named Chris Duarte who was an incredible artist, but we like just ran around Austin, Texas. And at one point, we I just rented out a bar before they opened for like 300 bucks and spent like five hours in a bar drinking Lone Star at like nine in the morning. So it's cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> now from a design perspective, yeah. I mean, 
technology has become so so far like how mm -hmm. is that how have you seen that impact your work well it's funny because kind of going back to the story when I first started at Jive in 89 that winter February of 90 I, I, I remember it to this day I was sitting at a paste up table old school I used to do paste up mechanicals used to do shoot stats um, and they wheeled in this dolly that had like these boxes on it and there were all these old Apple II computers it was a grayscale raster ops monitor and an Apple I scanner so I was like holy shit I'm gonna lose my job. Like this is gonna be over. <laughs> the machines are taking yeah, over. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't when I went to school. I, there wasn't the extent of my computer training at school was. Here's a mouse. Like and, and it was barely even a mouse. Like it was just this weird program that they had and right. like people were not using computers. Um, and eventually, or initially I should say, we used the computer to kind of act as our typesetter. Because when like in the beginning, like in Quark Express which is what we what I used was all this freehand was the illustrator of the time and I used uh, Quark Express like 1.0 and you couldn't rotate text so we had to print it all out and then cut it out and rotate the text for like cassette spines so in terms of that's like in the beginning and then you know moving forward to today it's you know I mean you have to know this stuff so you just stay on top of what you you need to stay on top of everything and going forward, I mean, the difference is, is that what I, what I try to do is I try, I'm, I'm a little more old school, so I try to sketch a lot um, and not work so much directly in the computer. I think that's what uh, designers tend to do a lot today. So it really becomes, um, you kind of become trapped in that box of the computer, literally. And um, it allows you by sketching to kind of think outside of the box, to use a worn out term. But uh, that's that's kind of what I try to do as much as I can, but technology has changed in that everything's done ten times quicker. It used to take me a week just to lay out uh, album liner notes on the on an insert for for an album. So you have to lay it out. You, you determine what, how you're going to lay it out, what the point size is going to be. You spec that type. You send it out to the typesetting house. They send back a galley. You then see if it fits in the space. If it doesn't, you have to send it back and mark it up. And it would take literally five days of back and forth just to lay that out. Today, I could lay it out, you know, in like an hour or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I think yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So, so that's really kind of, I guess, you know, how technology kind of plays a role. As well as where I am today, um, um, you know, in my full-time work and, and with Hobson Branding, you're always looking to see how you can expand upon what you're doing and how you're doing it. So in terms of, also in terms of marketing and how I deal with clients, mm -hmm. you know, so there are different programs and different things that I can offer or talk about, how it might help them in terms of marketing themselves or how they can take something and kind of make it, you know, come to life or, you know, just there's different ways of using new technology that I think really plays a role in how you brand yourself as, as, a, as a company, as a brewery, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I like on your website, it shows because I think folks, they're like, I want to have a new brand or I want to have mm -hmm. work with you. But even just you, the simple way you break out the, kind of the product life cycle of how, okay, we'll meet and kind of mm -hmm. brainstorm, it'll go to this point. Yep. It just kind of, it gives that warm and fuzzy for something that so people, they feel at least, if they understand the bullets, at least can show up and not feel like, because I think people are afraid sometimes to ask for help because they don't want to look stupid. But 
Yeah, I think what it does, what I try to do, is it pulls back the curtain. I, th I, I don't think a lot of designers do a good enough job of explaining the process. And, it and then, if you don't, it becomes this hocus-pocus to clients. It's just kind of they don't understand what it is that they're paying for. And that's really my goal, is to really kind of explain to a client, look, this is really what I'm offering you. And it's really not ultimately about... I mean, ultimately, it is about the design, but really it's about telling their brand story. And that's the whole point of hops and branding. And to try to simply not be um, a someone that just does a one-off logo and then see you later. Because to me, that's how a lot of brands get off track. When someone's not looking at it holistically and offering the opportunity to say, look, you, can't, you shouldn't maybe just do that, but you can do this, this, and this and talk about the brand as a big picture and not just the logo. Because the logo ultimately is not your brand. It's really the, the conduit for your brand's voice. So it's really telling the story. And ultimately, the logo doesn't even tell the whole story because it's really almost impossible for a logo to lift that kind of weight. Like, that's a huge undertaking. And that's sometimes why you see logos that are so kind of all over the place. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're trying to do too much. I'm a big fan of simple. Yeah. And yeah, again, on the website, it was nice to re... I like the... It wasn't just like, here's a gallery of stuff I've done. It was, You actually, again, going back to your curtain lifting, it was really... The one that I remember most was the Coneflakes. Uh -huh. And I remember the original logo, you know, the little design. It was very hand-drawn, a little rustic, you yeah. know, I think when they're early on. And what you've done with it was really taking it to... It's a lot cleaner, but like you're saying, it wasn't just about doing Coneflakes, which is a... Coneflakes uh, IPA is for a brewery. Um, it's in Connecticut. In Bristol. Fire, Bristol, that's what yeah, it is. Firefly yeah. Hollow. Yeah, Firefly Hollow. Yep. Great location um, if you have yet to go there. And you can see your sketches, what you're trying to do there. But even in your description, you were saying that it wasn't just about this. You wanted to leave it so that it was a scalability for an overall kind of yeah. growth. And I thought I mean, that was really smart. Well, that's really what it's about. And actually with the Coneflakes can, they have a, a, a can that's out now that I didn't design, but the, the can that I have there at the moment um, really is gonna be the new can. So it's funny because there's actually um, part of a contest and I didn't win the contest. And I really don't, I think contests are, are difficult for designers. It's really spec work and I'm not usually a big fan of that. But this was me trying to get my foot in the door of the beer business. So um, I took the chance to do that. And um, actually, my can came in second place, but it was a very, con from what I understand, very contentious second place. But ultimately, um, they became my very first client. And it really, it turned into a really, really great relationship. And that Coneflakes can now is going to become the can, pretty much the one I had originally submitted. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Which yeah. is kind of cool. So yeah. it's just kind of full, full uh, story kind of. Uh, yeah. And I like the cans because they, the other ones, I think Photon is the one that sticks out to me mm -hmm. most. It has an analog feel to it, like very. Mm -hmm. It's hard. I mean, it, it's hard to see that it was if it was how it was done. It looks almost like a picture hybrid. Well, it's what it is. Um, I certainly. I mean, I know a lot. A lot of the people that you've had on, um, really, a lot of illustrators. I mean, they're also designers, but they also consider themselves illustrators. I don't really consider myself an illustrator, but I do love collage. And that's really what um, I started to do for them because when I first started to work with Firefly Hollow, um, they weren't 
you know, they had started and all their money had kind of gone into the things that you would think a brewery would put their money in and it went into, um, you know, equipment and, and all the things they need to make great beer. Um, and they did their own logo um, on their own and then, um, you know, put it on all their stuff. But when we got together, what I wanted to do was build it out and talk about really, and this is what I try to do with all my clients is talk about who are you as a brand? What is your story? And that's really what it is that I do. I'm a storyteller more than anything else. But it's really trying to help these breweries understand their story. And once we figure out what that story is, my job is to kind of work on that in a visual way that conveys that story. Because everyone's got their own story and that's what's gonna make every brewery different. So Firefly Hollow is gonna be different from Outer Light, that's gonna be different from Hog River. These are other clients of mine in Connecticut. Um, but yet they're all here in Connecticut and they're all making great beer, but they all have their own story to tell. And really that's the focus of what it is that I, that I do. So working with this collage style seemed to really support what we came to as a conclusion when I got together with them and really sat down and had an in-depth discussion. And I usually supply a questionnaire for them to fill out with questions that help me try to get to the bottom of who it is that they are as a brand. Um, and then once I once we come to that consensus, and it's a it's a process. It's not me saying this is who you are. It's really us coming together and saying, you know what, that's right. And, and and a lot of times it's really kind of like, boom, you kind of hit it on the head. That's exactly what we've been trying to say. We just didn't know how to say it. And I'm kind of and I'm kind of like a translator in that respect. Right. You know, they kind of know already because they have their own story, so they know who they are, but they don't know how to put it into words or how to put it into a visual and that's really what it is that I do so working with the collage style really worked for them because ultimately what we came down to was that they were really kind of this DIY steampunk aesthetic because all of their stuff in the brewery was kind of cobbled together literally like their first fermenters with these old dairy containers and so there's a lot of stuff that they um, were doing without realizing it Right, even the location. Yeah. When you say that, if it's yeah. where they are. Exactly. In the back of that very industrial park. Yep. And it's it, an old industrial park, too, so it's not this new slick thing. So it really, everything's kind of got that vibe and everything's hand done. Yeah, it's a classic, like, did I make yeah. a wrong turn yeah, yeah. kind of style? You're yeah, like, a, a lot of people are like, where am I going? You're like, <laughs> you're like I'm here. Oh, good, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's definitely, that's really great. And that, the collage style, that reminds me of some of your early album work, kind of, so it's definitely some of the. That style with, with Tribe and some of the other yeah, ones you did. Yeah, because that was a lot of hands-on work. Right, exactly. Yeah. Had, that's what I was saying, that Photon one. It was like, I don't. I think this is like a... I, I, collage is the way to describe it. Obviously, I didn't know the, the proper terminology, yep. but that's exactly what I was... That was the feeling that kind of resonated with me. Yeah, because there's a hand-done effect, but at the same time, it can be, it can be really um, cool-looking and slick, but still have a hand-done feel. And then after that, I did... Um, I did Twinkler, which was a, a collage as well, but using a, a more of an um, old lithograph, turn-of-the-century style, because this was a kind of a, not a Christmas beer, but it was a winter barley wine. Um, so I wanted to kind of kind of show that uh, through, through that type of art. And then um, recently did uh, Chalkanaut, which is their, uh, uh, what is it? It's their Imperial Porter that's aged on uh, cocoa nibs. Um, I just did Lizard's Breath, Right. Their new can, so that's also, and that's cool because I'm trying to. The cool part about that is that I'm converting that 
collage style now to be able to print on a cam, which is a whole different animal. Yeah. So, and they don't have, you know, they're not of the money where bigger breweries will have a, um, like these big separations made so that they can break down the six colors into the ability to print on that. I'm breaking down all this art by hand and making it so that Ball, for example, uh, can print it direct to can. So it's a real challenge taking that type of style and then turning it into um, to something that can print directly to can. Right, and I think that uh, if you've listened before, I, I mentioned my managerial days, mm-hmm. and we had a record. We were, we decided we would because we it was very like hand, everyone kind of had seven roles. You know, you were the I would do the website and I do the print. And we were like we're going to do the album cover ourselves. The, the we got signed to a really small label. They gave us the option. And I tell this story numerous times, but every this story resonates. Is I made something, but I had no idea that like what that image to get it to print. Like it was literally like that's a whole nother world of things. Like yeah, you can make this cool image, yeah, but yeah. then when it's like okay, they they're like oh where's the high res, you know this mm-hmm. that and the other term. And I was yep. like I was like dude, I just gave what you, are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I go I gave you the JPEG like yeah. just and we yeah. tried for three days to recreate it like with a high res. And yeah. I had just I had saved it as a high enough default, you know, with the, the I think the DPI or whatever. Yeah, and I was like, we we got we got super lucky because it was like I was so well, happy. Well, that's the kind of stuff that goes on that most people don't understand, and, and it's a technical part of what it is that designers do. Um, it's understanding that process, and and I really attribute to a lot of that going back to the fact that I have been doing it for a long time, and I've been on many many press runs and many. Um, photo shoots and so all of that technical ability still comes into play just in a different way and the interesting part is there's a lot of younger designers out there that don't that don't completely understand the print process right and haven't been on press runs and haven't been you know looking at um, separations through a loop to see if it's done properly like there's a lot of old school kind of classical training that goes into that. I mean, not that doesn't really apply so much anymore, but having that foundation, I thought was really important. Like even the fact, like example, when you're working in a um, in design, and there's the pasteboard, right? So the bar- the the area around the, the, the area that you're working on, um, that comes from back in the days when paste up was being done. Right. So there's a lot of those things that are still referenced. But just in a more virtual way, so to speak, you know, in software. The bleed, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, I, when we started hearing about, oh, some of them, depending, I think it depends on the um, the, bu- the printing budget. So being like, we have six colors, and but usually white and black are already one of them. So you really have four colors, and then my, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's totally like to come up with a design, come with the concept, yeah, yeah. everybody agree upon it. Then it's like, okay. This big box of crayons, here's you can only take four of these. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends how you're getting the printed. It, it depends on the, right. the printing process. Like, yeah, that's what I'm learning. Like with can, on cans, it's six colors. Right. And that's the max. And, um, and a lot of times you're going to want white or black. <laughs> but sometimes maybe not, because if you're using a dark blue, for example, that could take place of your black. Yeah, so you, you kind of figure out ways to kind of you get, budget. You get creative. Yeah, yeah to get more very, out of it. Yeah, it's, very, yeah, it's it. very like, oh, yeah, no one's going to tell if that's a dark navy blue or yeah. black. Yeah, yeah, so I can use it twice. <laughs> now, would you just would you say you have your own aesthetic or based upon what your company does now, you're really trying to bring out the 
the brand or the brewery's aesthetic? Yeah, I think that I think what I would say is, and I've always felt this way about my design work in general, is that I'm a problem solver, and it's really about solving the problem that's in front of me. So that means that, I mean, if if, if you look at the beer work, so if you look at Firefly Hollow, and that's this hand done collage, really kind of DIY looking, really there's almost a, there's a kind of a sci-fi and steampunk quality to it yeah. but now look at my brand new uh, work for Outer Light Brewing in Groton that's exactly yeah. what I was that's, going to go yeah like, so you've got really two ends of the spectrum and um, so you've got um, that type of work and then you've got the super clean work and to me I really pride myself on being able to move between many different looks because ultimately no one is going to if, if I supply the same look to everyone then that's all I'm going to be known for and that's all that I'm going to the work that I'm going to get but if I'm able to kind of work and solve a problem every problem has its own solution so if I can work and, and have a different solution for those problems then I think I'm onto something because then I'm, I'm able to offer lots of different looks because no one's going to have the same story to tell the problem is not going to be solved the same way therefore the look isn't going to be the same and it shouldn't be you know and that that's my take on it um, you know, I was just telling you earlier, you know, I just found out today that um, Huffington Post featured the artwork for um, Outer Light Brewing in an article on, uh, it was like 15, um, you know, ultra-modern cans um, for design people, you know, kind of thing. And that's really a tribute here. It's 15 beautiful uh, cans for the design forward in Biber. <laughs> There's a word, right? Yeah, right. Um, but it, it really shows kind of my range, and I'm and I'm proud of that. Like, so here I am being, you know, they're, they're recognizing this clean, modern, beautiful packaging system that I developed, and meanwhile I can also do something like Firefly Hollow. Yeah, I think they're yeah the outer lights is very clean, very vibrant, very yeah, yeah very simple, and then you have like you said the collage. I love the steampunk. My I have two boys, and they watch. There's a show. Phineas and Ferb. Oh and yeah, yeah. And there's a like a steampunk like couple episodes, uh -huh. and it's so funny. So I just, it's so great. That, well, I love that term. Well, the funny part is, I'm mentioning Phineas and Ferb. You go back to my music days. I used to work with Bowling for Soup, right? Who did the theme song to Phineas and Ferb? Full circle, <laughs> man. Full circle. There's some yeah greatest episodes yeah. on cartoon. Like that's the best part about. One of the best parts about being a dad is like you kind of like you're, you're spending time with your kid, but if the cartoons are good. You're like, all right, I can relax and enjoy this. So Phineas and Ferb is uh, yeah. I mean, that's a great a Disney staple. one. Another one. I mean, my daughter, I have an 11 year old daughter, and she loves. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's uh, cartoon. It's on the Cartoon, cartoon Network. Um, uh, I, I'm blanking out. All right. Anyway, it's super. It's super smart. Right. It's uh, Teen Titans. Yes. Yes, Teen Titans. That is a great That's one. That's it, yeah. Robin and yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, And it just done so well. So, yeah, and I get it. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's good. We love good that. Watch. Yeah, we love that one. Love that it's stuff. so great. Yeah. <laughs> now, how do, you, how do you come to work with the breweries now this, with, with hops and branding? Or if somebody wants to, you know, work with you, what, what would you recommend? Like, how does that go? Well, I mean, I mean right now I've established myself uh, in Connecticut. I also have... Um, Client in Canada. Yeah, and, I, I yeah. saw that. I was yeah. like, "What?" Yeah, I was like, "I never heard." I'm like, what "Oh, it's in yeah, it's, yeah, in, it's Canada. in Ontario." Yeah, right. Called Big Rig Brewing, uh, Big Rig Brewery actually, and um, 
and I have some clients. I have a client uh, in, uh, in New York on Long Island. Um, so it's really what's starting to happen is I'm building this word of mouth. Um, I really uh, attribute that to uh, social media and really my use of Twitter. Um, I religiously tweet uh, three times every day, and it seems to have built up a following. I mean, Connecticut's not um, Connecticut's a small state, so it's re- I mean, it take me an hour and a half, maybe two hours, to kind of get across the state from where I am. So it's not that far to make the trip. So I really try to um, to make a an effort to get out to these breweries to meet them. Uh, in 2014, I launched uh, Hops and Branding, and I launched it specifically at the Connecticut Brewers Festival, okay. which is held um, each year in November, usually, and I highly recommend it. It's an amazing um, festival because almost every brewery in the state of Connecticut is at Two Roads. Okay. So that so I and Two Roads is uh, base is I would probably consider it my local brewery. It's very it's pretty close to my house. Okay. Um, and so that's the, I decided that I was going to do that. And so that's one way that I do it. I go to festivals and, and, and I rolled out my company in 2014 at the Connecticut Brewers Festival. So I literally just walked up to every brewer that was there. And I had actually had already met um, Dana and Rich from Firefly Hollow. Um, but, uh, you know, I introduced myself to Rob Leonard at Nebco. I introduced it to, to anyone that would say hi. Yeah. You know, and um, but since then, it's it's become a lot of word of mouth. Um, right now, I'm, I'm working with the Connecticut Brewers Guild. That was word of mouth. Um, I just have a, a new brewery that's going to be trying to open in Connecticut. Reach out to me. Word of mouth. Um, so just being out there and getting myself out there is how it's kind of started to kind of move on its own. Right. But in the beginning, I, uh, festivals. Yeah. And just bring. I have I have, I have cards. I have um, I have postcards that I that I hand out. Because I feel like if I give someone a business card, the idea for them to take the time out of their extremely busy schedules as brewers to go ahead and look me up on my site is really, uh, I think, a big ask. So I also hand out uh, promotional postcards, which immediately gets reaction. So they're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is what you do. This is so cool. Right. It, and you, then, you, then, it, then it prompts them to, to, to reach me reach out to me if they if they so inclined. Right, because you're showing them a tangible piece yeah, that you immediately. worked on, right? It's not them guessing and like like because they get hit up from designers all the time. There's people coming out of the woodwork now with the explosion of craft beer, particularly in Connecticut, with um, just with the way that scene is, is growing and so you really I really have to kind of, you know, let people know what it is that I do. Yeah, well whatever it is, it's it's good because it's good to know that the guy you're going to for branding is able to get his name out there to brand with people. So yeah, I'm able of, to brand myself, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that if no one knew who you were, Nick, would be like, oh, well, why don't I know who you are? Why are you going to take my my you business? Know, it's I, funny, I haven't thought of it that way, but you're right. Like, that's, you know, I mean, I do, I spend a lot of time branding myself and promoting it, but I hadn't thought of it in those terms. So, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Thanks. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and it was really nice. I was... Um, recently at the CT Hops for Hope Festival, which is, yeah. it was greatly done in and of itself. And when you can go somewhere, have an intimate experience, and also, you know, you're helping somebody who's, again, another great person, Steve. Yeah. Um, and you were a sponsor for that. And I just really thought that was just really, it was just really nice to see that. I mean, it had nothing to do with, you know, a bit from a business perspective. But just, I do think, I'm not a native Connecticut or a nutmegger, 
But I mean, I've been here almost 20 years now, but it is nice. There is the, especially around the Connecticut breweries and uh, beer mm-hmm. scene, there is a kind of a, a community and a, a subculture that's really supportive of each other. So that was really great to see. Yeah, and I think it, it has to do with how new the scene is, as well as, it, it, again, it's a, it's a fairly small state, so everybody knows everybody. Right. And it's amazing, really, how insular and small the, the brewery scene is. And it's super cool because everyone's really, really great and you're able to kind of reach out to everyone. But with the Hops for Hope thing, I I basically, I had done all the branding for that. So I did all the art, I did the posters, I did the logo, I did gave them social, you know, art for the social stuff. Like whatever they wanted, t-shirts, the photo booth that they just did, I did like whatever they needed. Because to me, it was a super, super cool and great, worthy cause. Um, this is the second year that I've done it. It's the second year of the festival. And I'm honored to have been involved. And to me, um, it was really about just working with the community and, and um, helping this great cause. And then what ended up happening actually was my name kind of got out there through that too, which was not what I was expecting. So that was a really nice kind of happy um, outcome from that. It was really about working with the charity, which is a really great charity and for Steve Wood. So Yeah, I think that's a good, I mean, I think that when people are genuine, I think that it resonates. And I think that yeah, just hearing you speak about it, it's obvious that, you know, it's nice. I mean, larger corporations, they make, you know, they sponsor or they donate, and you can't. No one's questioning their reasons. But for you know, an individual to give up your, you know, your your time, is, especially as you're trying to grow your own thing, I think it's just really a, a kind gesture that doesn't go unnoticed. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm really honored to be part of it. I mean, what I think the past two years they raised for uh, CT Hops for Hope, for the SMS uh, Research Foundation. Uh, I think close to sixty-six thousand um, dollars. Yeah, this year was just close, yeah. either right below or right over thirty-five thousand dollars. And if you yeah. went to this festival, it was yeah, so it we, was in the crazy lines, you know, the mm-hmm. whatever the quote-unquote big, you know, big brewery there. When once they had, there was plenty of beer to go around. Yeah. you maybe had to wait a person or two deep in a line, and but other than that, it was really intimate. Yeah, yeah, and very well done. It was and, really and, great, and again for a great cause, it's always nice to be part of something like that and see the Connecticut brewing community come together in such a big way. Yeah, and it was nice because we were both talking earlier, because there's so many breweries popping up all the time, it's not always easy to, to, to try them all on a regular basis. So to be able to you know try some of the new and upcomers, and yep. even Hog River, they had, a, they had a cask there that was excellent. Yeah, that's just a, out. actually one of my clients. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and which was which I, another just a smart branding decision. There, there's a lot of breweries in the state, and you have keywords in your name that maybe invoke imagery. You know, hog. There's black hog, and I think even just to say like, hey, there's already a hog kind of brewery here in Connecticut. Yep. We're not going to be, you know, like the little pig or the bit, you know, whatever. Like, it, and it's it was really well done. You took some of the focal points of yep. their physical space and brought yep. that in, so that kind of re, you know, kind of uh, burns that into people's heads when they're thinking about it. Yeah, no, it's funny because I was actually just there on. Um Thursday night um, for a, it's called Design Night Out, um, and it's an organization that gets brings together a creative community within Connecticut, so I was able to speak on that panel, and this theme was about drink, and um, it was held at Hog River, so it was a really super event, and it brought together a creative community um, in a really cool way. There was, um, there was someone from uh, Connecticut Beer Tours, there was someone... Um, from uh, Stony Creek, Jamal Robinson, um, Michelle Stanish from Connecticut uh, Beer Tours, and then there was also Hop Culture, uh, which is a new upcoming um, hop farm in Connecticut that's also going to be a brewery. Oh, so that's was, great. Yeah, so it was super cool to be part of that 
panel, uh, and it was all at Hog River. They hosted the whole thing, so it was cool. That is great. Yeah, yeah. I think these, yeah, were the, the coming out and people supporting things. It's not just, hey, come and get drunk. You know, it's like, let's talk. And it just, it's, it's about it's community. Been, yeah, it's and been it really, really aligns nice. with, with craft beer itself. I think, yeah, the communal aspect of it is, is yeah. really impressive. Extremely important. And we are back. That's right, folks. You're listening to the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, episode number 330. Not to be confused with 160Z, which is the 16-Ounce Canvas. This week's episode is featuring the one and only Mr. Nick Gamma. Now, we tease a little bit of the intro all the cool shit he's done with Jive Records, but we didn't want to blow it. We didn't want to give it all away. We wanted you to hear from the man himself. Tribe Called Quest, KRS-One, Boogie Down Productions, I mean, Buddy Guy, even Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Matthew Sweet. I mean, it's a great, great list of artists. It's really impressive. So for me right there, that's like, that's just a career right there, you know, just cut, you know, end scene, it's a wrap. So then for him to, to get back into it in a different way, craft beer, being really involved with the Connecticut beer scene, you know, being a you know brand whisperer, helping these breweries bring things to life, it's just really exciting. So hopefully you're enjoying the episode. I really enjoyed doing this one. I love when it works out when we have the opportunity to, to meet the artist in person, you know. And, you know, this one's got a little character to it. It's definitely got a little, you know, ambient noise. But I'm really proud of, uh, you know, shameless plug going out to the uh, the, black jet, the Black Yeti. You know, we definitely rock a blue mic. Black Yeti is what we prefer. And it's, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun with it. We use the, the matte black, the blackout. And so we just rocked it. Like I said, picnic table style, a couple cold beers. And we were just there doing our thing. So it's really just insightful. Nick's got a great perspective. He's got a storied career. You know, the humility's there. I just really, I really enjoyed speaking with him. So hopefully you're enjoying this episode. Remember, you can check us out via the web, 160zcanvas.com. But, you know, drop Nick a line over there at hopsonbranding.com. He's a busy, he's a busy dude. So by the time this airs, probably have some new things in the works, you know, for Nick. We'll keep updating, you know, we'll keep, keeping you in the loop. It was really cool. When we sat down, he had just found out that, you know, the work he had done with Outer Light was just featured in the Huffington Post. You know, he posted that up on the Facebook page. And it's just really, you know, like I said, humility, you know, honesty, hard work. Those are things that really resonated me, resonated with me when I when I spoke with Nick. So just a honest guy, hardworking, enjoys his job. You know, it was a good energy, and it was just nice to, to sit down and talk to him and see how he got kind of from point A to B to C and we know where we were. So, like I said, enjoy. Hopefully you're enjoying this episode, episode number 30. We're here each and every week. We're finishing out our third 12-pack. We officially now have a full 30-pack, so that's just trouble waiting to happen. So if you're new here, welcome. Dive in, sit back, relax. Lots of goodies for you. We have 30 beautiful episodes now that you can listen to. So as the fall comes, it gets a little chill in the air, perfect time for a little road trip. 
and just bring us along with you. So wherever you are, we, th- we thank you for making the time to experience this with us and for bringing us along. So without further ado, we are going to get right back into it. You're listening to episode number 30 of the 16-ounce canvas, The Art of Craft Beer Podcast. Now, what is the, from a project management kind of standpoint, what is the, the process like or what kind of advice would you give the people of trying to, I think you do really well, even talking about it, not being very transactional. It's, it's kind of trying to um, emanate kind of feelings and emotions and mm-hmm. kind of that, those. So I think your, yeah. your process is very, is very unique in that regard. Well, I mean, I'm trying to apply some of the, the bigger understanding that I've learned over my time um, working at, um, at Viacom and understanding um, branding more, <clears throat> it's really about looking at things as a big picture. And the difference is that if, you know, I could simply go ahead and design someone a logo and walk away, but that's not my intention and that's not what I want to do. I, I don't think that it benefits me and it doesn't benefit the client um, because what ends up happening is the brand becomes muddled and it's really focusing on who they are again, like a, a kind of, it's kind of my broken record, but it's about telling their story and really about finding out who they are as a brewery and what makes them different. Because when you walk into a store, you go into a cooler and there are 50 different IPAs, why should I drink your IPA? Right? right? Like it, 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 you need to have that story behind it. People need to have heard, oh, this is that brewery that does this, or this is that, oh, yeah, that brewery that, that came up with this thing, or it's that steampunk brewery or whatever. You know, so it's really about figuring out what that is out and doing that in a big way that really goes across all of the touch points. So it's not just about the, the logo. It's about the T-shirts. It's about your, your tap handles. It's about your, your merch that you put out. It's um, your glasses, right? It's what, what you do at a festival. And it, it's even bigger than that because then it becomes how do you interact with your customers? How do you serve your beer? Where do you serve your beer? What does your tap room look like? These are things that breweries, particularly in Connecticut, aren't, you know, particularly with tap rooms, it's just starting to happen in Connecticut. You know, uh, it's really, right now, Connecticut's just, people just starting to get out there and just want to get open. But breweries like like Stony Creek, breweries like Fox Farm, breweries, um, I'm trying to think, you know, who else? But there are, there are more breweries that are really taking more care with that, with the experience aspect of their brand. Right. Because it's much bigger than the logo that I'm designing for you. It's really everything that you do, everything that you live and breathe is your brand. And if someone has a bad experience in your tap room, that's your brand. If someone has a great experience drinking your beer, that's your brand. If someone buys your merch, that's your brand. But all of those things, it's not just about your logo. So it's not transactional. It's holistic and it's big picture thinking. Now you brought on, have you been brought on early on when there's been the help with design of the physical space? Um, you know, I, I, I haven't, and although I've talked to uh, brewers about it, because I have met with um, more than enough brewers like from the beginning, which is really, really when you want to meet with a brewery, um, before they've established the logo, if you can. Um, you know, otherwise you, you're kind of working backwards. It's not insurmountable, but it just makes the process a little harder. Um, but no, that I would love to, love to, love to be involved in the design of the interior space of a brewery. That's like my next goal. Yeah. Because I think it's important. Like I think to expand your brand in that way is just to me the ultimate experience of the way to experience a brand, particularly with the fact that um, the way that breweries are, are, 
popping up is because they can serve directly to their customers. So the taproom experience is so important. And I think to be able to have the brand live and breathe through that experience, that gets my gets my blood racing. Like to me, that's exciting stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because there are so many breweries, and I think I think now the advantage for the newer breweries is that when they can start right from the jump, they have that tap room, where the legacy are, are kind of our yeah. Connecticut founding fathers, or however you want to look at it, for the breweries. Yep. They have to kind of like reimagine their space. I mean, I look at New England Brewing Company every time, and mm. it was really transactional, you know, yes. where they were, and then. Yep. It was okay. We're gonna, you know, mm-hmm. blow this out a little bit. Yeah. Then, eventually, now you can go there and spend the day in their food yeah. truck. And yeah, they've definitely made leaps and bounds. They've actually just brought on a friend of mine, uh, Marty Giuliano, who for um, for a long time, I think ten years, was a sales rep for Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada, yeah. And um, he's now the head of business development at, at Nepco. So he's really making a lot of difference there. Yeah, um, I would in, in terms of really pushing them forward so it's really really great to see but you know actually an example i kind of left out was we're sitting here at bad sons they have an amazing tap room so they really really understanding their branding is so on point the tap room is on point so they really understand how to kind of get their brand out there right do a super job with it yeah it's definitely an old industrial type location it's got the open ceiling kind of the the welding and the metal to it you know having uh but very different for Connecticut. Like, they've done a really nice job. Yeah, I think now the outside fire pit, we've seen that more. I think uh, mm-hmm. THC has that and, yeah. uh, you know, Black Hawk, stuff like that, where it's not transactional anymore. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. If you're yeah. going to come here, you can have our beers here, and then you can take them home. Mm-hmm. And now with the, the food truck expansion, I mean, that's a whole nother. There's probably tons of, you know, podcasts or blogs about the, yeah. you know, the yeah. Well, they're exploding culture. in tandem because right. one is necessitating the other. So it's really the brew, to be able to serve the, the simple law of being able to serve beer directly from a tap room opens up all these doors. Without the tap room, there wouldn't be this explosion of food trucks. Right. And now you've got this great. So so more businesses are being affected by it. So it's been a really great uh, experience. And speaking of the tap rooms, um, what we kind of remind me of you mentioned Black Hog. They just redid their tap room. So I haven't been up there yet, but I've seen pictures. It looks great. Right. Like they've added some new space. They kind of rearranged the way that you work through the space. And that's important. It's important stuff. So it's really great to see breweries in Connecticut really starting to take that seriously. Yeah, because I think, and especially as you have kids, you like the, the taking your kid or family to a brewery a couple years ago was like almost like dirty. Like you're, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to take... dark like, hole. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring my kid and I'm going to grab a, you know, a growler or... Yeah wait for this cam release but now it's like you know the the jenga board outside or the cornhole or yep. shuffle puck like yep. it's not just like this like you know feeling like a shitty dad award you know like <laughs> yeah now it's got a little yeah. more like okay there's yeah. th- like it's like oh you can come here with your family it's okay you know we won't yeah. you won't get the dirty looks from somebody you know exactly exactly yeah. no that's no that's the point i mean it, that adds to the experience and it opens it up to more people you know, and, and it legitimizes the experience too. I, I yeah, yeah. I, I totally, I totally uh, agree. Yeah. So, was it? Do you have a different design uh, aspect for the breweries if they're in distribution versus if they're just doing brewery only releases? Um, no, because I like to think about the. I like to think that all breweries are going to want to be out there, regardless, right? So, no right. matter how they're out there, whether they're out there in bottle sales direct from brewery or is it bottle sales in a distributor. And a lot of times there, because in Connecticut, you can self-distribute. So, um, so like, for example, 
like the photon bottles that I've done and twinkler bottles, they've been in distribution around Bristol, but really not much outside of that. But right. I have to take that into consideration. So I look at it as that's always going to be the case, that they're always going to strive to be bigger. And because that way I'm still looking at it holistically. And, and if they happen to get bigger, then that's great. Then they're ready. But if they don't, it's still just as strong a brand. I think it's smart. Now, without our light, that was a full rebrand. So how, Correct. Yeah. So how was that experience? Because it's something that's already kind of, the wheels are already in motion at that point, and you're yep. kind of, you know, the hopping on the, the train as it's going down the tracks and trying to take over that, that aspect of it. Well, I, I think it really comes down to the fact that, um, you know, when I met with them, they wanted, they were simply looking to start canning. And um, I said, you know, great. I, you know, obviously I would love to be involved in that process, but um, have you considered rebranding? Because the look that they had started with was, and they, they, they would be the first to admit it, and they were, and they were kind of laughing when I said this, but it was kind of this 90s brew pub kind of look to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. 90s that's, was a good that, time. That, that's where I got my start in craft beer as a drinker, you know, back in the microbrew 90s. But um, it was a really great um, to be part of that. But but to be able to, to say, hey, you know, if you're going to start canning and you're really going to put the investment into that, because that's expensive. Like when you're starting to do direct-to-can printing, um, you're starting to lay out some bucks and get a canning line. And so there is really the opportunity to uh, start to um, really make a difference in what you're doing. So I took that opportunity as the chance to say, hey, um, let's rebrand. What are your thoughts? And they're like, you know what? We've been kind of thinking about that in the back of our minds. We're glad you said it. Let's, let's go for it. So they're, yeah, they were just looking for yeah. somebody to kind of so, twist their arm a little more and like mm -hmm. reaffirm what they had probably thought. But like yeah. you said, due to the big investment, they were yeah. probably a little, yeah. Yeah, because I met with them at, uh, at the Hops for Hope and I was just talking yeah. to them and they were super excited about it. And you could just, you could just feel it like it kind of, yeah, they were I mean, very upbeat, and it was just kind of like they were like proud parents of the new look. Yeah, it was a great. Yeah, I mean, I'm super proud of that that job because it really turned them around, and it was really exciting to be part of, and they really um, were enjoying um, the fact that they needed to kind of turn the page. So, what was super cool was that when I last talked to, to Tom uh, from Outer Light. He, he gave me the ultimate compliment, and that was they're starting to now get more tap handles based on the rebrand and the packaging because they're getting more requests for the beer. Right. So the distributors are starting to get more requests for them to get put on tap and bars and stuff. So that is, to me, that is, I couldn't ask for a better result from uh, design work, you know, from branding. That's the ultimate compliment. Like, wow, that, that, that's incredible to have heard. So I was extremely excited. Yeah, because it's nice, because especially with the tap handles are little mini kind of brands or advertisements. Absolutely. So I just sit there and they don't, yep. they just stick out. And those yeah, I mean, even those, even, well, even those are starting to, for them, um, where we're, we're you know, going to probably be working on those. Like, they, they've kind of got these ones that are going to, that are working right now that kind of incorporate an older tap handle and, and the new look. Uh, but that's that's next on the, on, on the list. So, yeah, super excited and super happy for them. It's a great opportunity. I'm just seeing the fruits of it is, is gets me so pumped. Now, your career, I mean, your you know, young Nick out of, out of college is probably <laughs> yeah. would have been blown away if you told him all the things you would have worked on. You know, yeah, yeah, did, yeah. Did you have a, a bucket list? Is there, th is there things that you're, we just talked about one to help create like a spatial design. Is there things that maybe you're looking to, you know, hoping? 
Um, well, I think it's, you know, it's to me it comes down to elevating brands and working with breweries to help make them the best breweries that they can be um, and offer what it is that I know and my knowledge to help their business. And that's what it really comes down to. It's, it's really about improving businesses and telling stories and helping those, those businesses take off. And, and the ability to, to, to make that happen is really what I strive to do. And you know, kind of to your point, like, like, yeah, I mean, I would love to move into doing more spaces and, and, and uh, work with architects. Um, I, in the past, I've, I reached out to um, some firms that, that work on actually uh, designing breweries mm -hmm. and helping to work with them in the future. Um, that's really one of my big goals uh, moving forward. That'd yeah. be awesome. Awesome. Now, I've, I've got some good takeaways just from speaking to you. Uh, just for professionally, I think that you work really hard. You, you know, put yourself out there. You kind of live what you're trying to do, which is branding and mm -hmm. social engagement, both yep. online and physical. But for maybe the somebody starting out or kind of looking for to get more involved from a maybe a branding or design perspective, would you have any advice for them? Um, I think... Yeah, it would be to just to, to go for it. I mean, I just I, I ran into a few people when I was at the Design Night Out um, panel, and that was what I had, that's what they kind of asked, and that was my advice. It was really, you've just got to go for it. You've got to put yourself out there. That's what I did. When I first started, I didn't have any beer work in my portfolio. I had to create my own beer work. So I picked out some breweries that I thought could use the you know the help or breweries that I knew were were up and coming that hadn't opened yet right. and just did it they didn't know I did it yeah. but I just did it just to show that I could do it because some people aren't going to buy into what you're doing unless they see it right you know it, 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 it I couldn't show them a portfolio of CD packages and and um, email blasting websites you know from uh, corporate America and them go, oh yeah, yeah, you're the guy to design. I got my, that email. I yeah, got that email. Yeah, my. yeah, you're the guy to design my uh, beer. Uh, you know, the logo for my brewery and my packaging. Like it doesn't work that way. Uh, it's even hard for designers to to look at stuff and then make the, tr the the leap. You know, it's always comforting to see stuff that you know and you can translate. So I would say go for it. Um, if you don't have any work, do it. Just do it and put it out there and start right. talking to breweries. Go to festivals. Get out there. Get your name out there. Have your card with you all the time. And it's really about getting out there and, and going for it. Now, how does that conversation go going? I redesigned this logo or brand or image that you already had in now, a nice way to say, like, uh, we can make some improvements well, without no, pushing I, I didn't. Off. Well, you know, it's funny. One of the breweries um, I had gone to early on, um, I had redesigned their work for my portfolio, initial portfolio and website. Um, but I never ended up, they, they weren't interested in having a conversation, so it never turned into anything. And so I, I think a lot of the times they, a lot of the breweries weren't aware that I was even out there at the time, so they never saw what I had done. All right. So to me, it's, I, I don't think I'd go and approach someone and say, hey, I redesigned your stuff already. Yeah. Because they, that means they didn't have a say, that means they're not involved. Like, I wouldn't go that route. Right. Like, I would approach others. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's a good yeah. call. And then... One of the things I find is some, is hardest for people is rejection. Now all these yeah. are great stories of positive outcomes, but yeah. for every for every yes or agreement, there's probably you know a half dozen. Even sure, even in the design process, and I think that that's kind of having that thick skin. It has to be uh, has to be a learned experience. You have to. I mean, it's 
it's an old, there's an old, back in the day, like when I was going to school, you'd go and, um, well, before I went to school, but you were a commercial artist. That's what graphic designers were called. I like the term for the reason that it really does a good description of describing uh, how we work. So it's really the combination of commerce meets art, right? So that being said, you can't have a thin skin if it's about business, right? So if I wanted to do a painting, then I'd be a fine artist, but I'm not. So it's, that's why I keep coming back to business because it's really what it's about. I am helping businesses grow and supporting businesses. And so decisions that are being made are business decisions. Sometimes they're not, sometimes they're, you know, but if I can have a reasoning behind what it is that I'm doing and a strategy, and there's a thought process for me to say, this is why I made this decision, this is why I chose this font, this is why I chose this color, that's a win. And that's that only, it says to them, the client, that I understand their business. That's, and that, to me, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah, I think that before you, you said you're, you called yourself a translator, and I think that's kind of like a, like a like a brand whisper type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah in a way, Because you really bring really, because yeah, absolutely. I mean, whenever you're talking to a client, they're not artists, they're not designers, they don't know the the lingo, they don't understand the process, and you can't expect them to. So you can't get upset when they don't like something or when they get, you know, or they're they're not sure why you're charging what you're charging. That's why I go to great pains to explain what it is that I do, to offer the services that I offer, and me offering the ability to speak their language tells them that I understand their business. Right. And if I understand their business and they feel comfortable with that, that's a win. That's a win-win again. Like to me, that's what it comes down to. It's it's speaking the language, and 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 you 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 have to be able to sell yourself to people in a way that they understand what it is that you're talking about. So that's a great. To me, I pride myself on that, and to be able to understand what it is that they're saying, because they may say, you know, I only like this, but what they're really saying is something else. So it's, you have to kind of read between the lines and be able, it goes along with any type of business, right? When you're in a meeting, working in a room and understanding what's going on around you, and having, a, you're in tune, you have to be in tune to that, and you have to really listen to a client. I think a lot of designers don't. Yeah. I think they don't listen well. And I think they're trying to impose their will on something, which is why I pride myself on being so flexible with the looks that I design, because I'm, I'm, I listen, and I, I take great pride in that because it's it's important. It's extremely important. Yeah, I think some people see branding as almost like you would uh, correlate it to like cattle, like they're literally like they're branding their yeah. thing onto this thing uh, and making it like that's mine. And it's like well, that's mm -hmm. not really what you're doing. This, Joe can't draw, but doesn't mean Joe doesn't know what he wants his drawings to look like. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, this is somebody who's put their blood, sweat, and tears into a business. This is somebody who's put their lifeline and probably their entire life savings on the line, and then you're going to come around and be some smug designer? It doesn't work that way. You're not going to go far if, if you're thinking that way. You've got to be open, and you've got to understand where they're coming from. And, but you've got to also be able to explain why it is you're making the decisions you're making. That's, I mean, if I've learned anything in, in, in the many, many years I've been doing this, that's, that's probably the biggie, you know? Like, it all comes down to that. You, without clients, you're, you're home painting paintings. <laughs> yeah, right? right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's important. And yeah. it's exciting to me to be able to see that business then flourish, like outer light. Like, that's so awesome. It is I mean, awesome. I could, this is just, this is the kind of stuff that gets me pumped, you know? 
he's jumping up and down right now. Folks, you can't you can't see it, but yeah, yeah right? no, it's always a it's a cheesy line from the Jerry Maguire movie. It's, it's not show friends, it's show business, and it's like kind of like that idea, like you, just, you know, it is business at the end of the day, and you're trying yeah. to. We'll work together yeah. and do but that. But it's fun business, man. It's yeah, breweries. it's fun. It is good, yeah. It's awesome. It's very smart. I was like, hops and brand. I'm like, that, that bastard, that's a smart idea right there. <laughs> yeah, so it's been great. Yeah, it's been really a great experience, I think. It just even talking to people and seeing their process and how they're working and growing. Because yeah. I think now, probably for some brewers, they make really good beer. But now, like, oh, I have to have the coolest tap room and I have the coolest uh, nice cans and shirts. It's like... Yeah. I just been working on this recipe for years, like, and it's almost yeah. like an added stress. So, like, they of course it is. It's, yeah. it's a lot of it's yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. a lot more. I mean, the expansion for the consumer is beautiful. Yeah, I just my, my, when I first started out and I first started um, using Twitter, it was really about trying to educate and, and getting brewers to understand that branding is so important to your mm-hmm. business because as the as Connecticut grows and as the brewer, I mean, it, it's almost like a brewery a day in Connecticut. It, it's not, but it feels like it. Um, how are you going to differentiate yourself as a brewery? I mean, obviously the beer has to be great. That, that goes without saying. But when I'm standing in a, in, in a package store and I'm going to buy your beer, what's driving me to buy your beer if I've never heard of you before? Right. And that has to do with your branding and your brand and that brand story. And that's the things that are going to drive people and as the marketplace becomes more and more crowded that differentiation becomes more and more important and differentiation is a word that i use a lot with my clients so that they you know they, they hear me say it over and over because it's really important for them as a business to be able to separate themselves in what is probably going to be a turbulent um you know changes to come in within the craft business so it's, it's extremely important and for them to recognize that up front then you got your, then you're ahead of the game. Yeah, I think when people think immediate and they don't think scalability, I think it's detrimental because when they get to a new plateau and they don't really have that solution in place yeah. to kick off. Okay, well here, I mean, it doesn't have to. You don't have to physically have the solution, but even just conceptually, be thinking that today, tomorrow, next month, yeah. six months, year. You know, I think that that's the that's really important. And if mm-hmm. and like I said, in reading some of your write ups, talking about the long term, you know, mm-hmm. short and long term of that branding, of the imagery, of the the scalability, I think it's essential. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter how small you are. No. You can you can look as big as you, you know, you want. Like to me, there's, there, it, that's part of the, the, the excitement is taking these brands and elevating them. And that's, and that's what I mean by that. It's that, you know, you can be this tiny little nano brewery, but compete with the other, with everyone else. And that's all through branding. You're making beer, they're making beer. You're just making less. That's right. the only difference. Yeah. The branding should be the same. The br- absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, you, you see that, especially even the utilization of social. You know, yep. it allows you to get, because, I mean, I go to towns all over the country, and, and I don't, I may never had beer there, but I've, yeah. through social or yep. online, I know kind of a few of the, the local favorites, or, yeah, I can find the them pre- or I can find them pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lot easier to do that. And that's, and branding plays a big part in that now too online and through social I mean it's it's huge and particularly through like Twitter and Instagram to be able to tell your story through images it's, it's, and you're reaching so many more people people that may have never even had your beer it doesn't matter because you're, the, the ability and also the cost savings right so for a small brewery that's extremely important so it's, it's that it's that um, publicity that you can't pay for 
that is so important that you can build on your own. And I think, you know, that's where that's where the small breweries live, and and it's it's a great tool. And you can find Nick on Hops and Brewing on Instagram, hopsandbrewing.com. Hops branding. Branding. Oh yeah. <laughs> that would be a shitty job right there. I mean, we'll edit, we'll edit that out. Hobson Branding. Hobson Branding. It's a great logo, too. It's just, uh, you know, the hop cone with the ampersand and simple. But, I mean, it, it says everything you need to know right there. So I think it's great. Follow you also on uh, on Twitter. Yep, that's, is, where, that's where I do most of my social. So that's the place, best place to check me out. Excellent, excellent. Now, what are, you, what, what, are your, what are you drinking these days? What are your favorites? <laughs> I'm drinking, I don't, I mean, I'm drinking all kinds of stuff. Um... I'm drinking out of light. <laughs> the Cloud Break uh, Double IPA is fantastic. Um, I'm drinking um, Collective Arts from Canada. I love, I love the Ransack yeah. the Universe. I mean, the packaging is absolutely stunning. The branding is stunning. Um, and they're making great beer, too. Um, well, else? I'm drinking Firefly Hollow, uh, Lizard's Breath. I'm drinking, um, drinking um, Dogfish Head. I okay. uh, love Dogfish Head. Um, the the uh, new... Um, Flesh and Blood is, yeah. is really, really good. And you're, to go way back, you're, the Buddy Miles cover you did, okay. I always feel like there's a there's a label that Dogfish Head did that looks like, I, not yeah, to yeah. say they borrowed it, but it looks no, very, no, no. it's very uh, complimentary no, it's same, well, to your it's, style. It's the same, it's the same artist. That, that was an illustrator by the name of, uh, it was the Buddy Guy a Blues Singer album. Right. And for many, many years, uh, Dogfish Head has used um, John Langford, uh, this is an illustrator, and he was part of the band the Mekons, back in yeah, back in the day, and um, so they use a lot of his artwork for their packaging. So uh, the fact that I was able to work with um, with him as well um, was super cool. Yeah. You know, and then to see that they um, had used it, I don't know. I'm trying to remember the year Blue Singer came out. I think it was in '93, maybe. Right. So yeah. They, and and Dogfish Head, I think, uh, started in '95. Yeah. So. Yeah, but John Langford is, is fantastic, and a lot, a lot of the Dogfish stuff uses his illustrations. Yeah, it's super cool. yeah, it was beautiful. Like, I was yeah. like, wow, I'm like, that's just so great. Like, yeah, I love it. I love I was it. Really, his work I was, is yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I was loving to see that. Now, we talked about kind of your your music background. I used to, you know, do radio. Uh, if you saw my face, folks, you know what I was talking about, but it, it works out well. <laughs> face um, for radio. Exactly, right? Or only a mother <laughs> could love. So the two of them right there got me going. Now, what do you, when you're creating, do you have... Music or what do you what do you, are you in the quiet kind of like serenity guy? What do you what do you go for? I think it depends what I'm working on, but yeah. like a lot of times I'll I'll listen to um, uh, some very kind of soothing music, but then I'll turn around and go back to my kind of '90s roots and you know like right now I'm revisiting a lot of Teenage Fan Club. Okay. And actually listening to some of their later albums that I hadn't listened to, and it's and it's awesome. So it really it depends on my mood. I'll sometimes listen to real estate. Um, sometimes I listen to um, uh, more kind of soothing stuff to kind of get me into a zone, you know. Uh, so it really depends. I listen to all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of rare groove, kind of old soul okay. music, and I collect a lot of that, particularly when I uh, make trips to the UK, um, like old soul 45s and grew old like rare groove stuff. So I listen to a lot of old soul music. I just actually turned my daughter on to Donny Hathaway okay. uh, last weekend and um, Roberta Flack and like just really great soul artists that I grew up with and think it's really great for her to kind of understand what they're about, even if she's even at 11 years old. And uh, she's learning the bass, so I actually was turning her on to Carol Kay. I don't know if you're familiar with Carol, but she's um, 
one of the greatest rock bassists to ever live and has played. She played on um, like the Beach Boys Pet Sounds oh, and okay. played with Sam Cooke and played with like these amazingly huge records back in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, and uh, so, so listening to some of her stuff actually. Yeah. Yeah, so all kinds of stuff, man. That's great. All kinds of stuff. I just love music. Now is your daughter like, what's a CD? And like, you worked on a record, Dad? Like, what's a record? No, I, I show her what yeah, I've done, yeah. and she's she knows what they are. And I actually just turned her on to the monkeys. Oh, yeah? She loves them. Yeah, yeah. She just loves them. Watch the show. The show, I think, yeah. drives it home. It's just like... Yeah, she loves... She just... I bought her... We just bought her a shirt for her birthday. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was... Uh, I mean, especially that age of music, I mean... I was big into KRS One. I, I had the pleasure of seeing Tribe on uh, Lollapalooza tour. Oh, cool. it, yeah, that was awesome. One of the, yeah, they're great. Yeah, I was like, I think I, I was like fourteen or fifteen. I told my parents I snuck <laughs> and went by myself, and it was them, George <laughs> Clinton, the Breeders, oh, fantastic, Beastie Boys, Smashing Pumpkins, Girls Against Boys. Like it was awesome. Yeah, and I mean, and Tribe at that point was just kind of on the rise like so mm -hmm. they weren't even like the headliner yeah you know so just to see where they've come mm -hmm. you know and even that new record they, they came out with is, oh that's is, great is so great yeah. yeah oh yeah great so it just really that, that was really uh, amazing for me to to see all, all that you've done in, you know, in the music history <laughs> thanks man no it's been it's it's been awesome you know I've been extremely fortunate and lucky and also at the same time driven you know see so it's, it's all to me it's a combination of all those things right and I, I look back on it with great fondness um, and, and, and but also look into the future, you know, like it's I think I, I love working in uh, the craft beer business and It reminds me actually there's a lot of correlation between uh, the music industry particularly back in the 90s and um, independent music and and breweries today to me I actually say breweries are the new indie bands. I, yeah, I agree. I think I was gonna say you're yeah. part of two like yeah. turning point revolutions where you know things are you know, I think that that I mean, even in the 90s, it was actually like a full album, you know, where the right his record is really used to be only a single, right? Because mm -hmm. they were only an A and a yeah. B side. And so, fun fact, that's why record of the year is always just a single. And people are like, and then album of the year is something different because exactly back in the day, you, you would only get two songs, you know, an A and a B side. And it was yep. literally, literally that's how it was. It wasn't just released that way. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, so thank you for all you do. And thank you for making time today. It means a lot. And, um, I'm uh, really excited to see what you got next for us. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate uh, the time, and, and I'm really honored to be uh, on the podcast with such other amazing artists and designers that are contributing to uh, the craft beer industry and community, so thanks. Yeah, I think that another takeaway for me is, is your hard work. It doesn't go unnoticed, I think, especially to make such a, a pivot under maybe the same umbrella of you know branding and illustration and design, but really to kind of take that leap for yourself. I know in doing this, just this one effort, it's really, it is a lot of, you know, blood, sweat, and beers or tears, however you want to look at it, you know, <laughs> yeah. a lot of long nights. Yeah, always, but beers always help. Right, exactly, <laughs> you know, so it's definitely, um, we're going to grab another one after this, and yeah. it's, it's just really, I think that if anyone's listening, I think that luck is, is a part of it, but really the, the foundation of that is really the hard work and getting yourself out yeah. there. You and make your own luck, right, as they say. Right, exactly, it's, it's kind <laughs> of like, yeah, it definitely is just taking that to the, the next point, but I think that... Nick's not only a good example of great branding and hard, but the hard work. I think that should resonate with folks. And if you're just getting started, you know, there's not going to be an easy way, especially now more than ever. There's just as many breweries, there's more breweries than ever, and there's more folks who want to work and design with them. So 
you might know somebody somewhere, but you really have to work your ass off to kind of sustain that. And so I think hopefully you'll, you'll have that as a takeaway from today. So thanks, Nick. Thank you. Cheers, my friend. Right, cheers. And there we have it, folks. Nick Gamma, Hops and Branding. Check his website out, hopsandbranding.com. Really great experience to sit down with Nick. I'm a music lover. Music's kind of what brought us into this. Have a lot in common with Nick. Music has always been a first passion. Unfortunately, not very talented to play it other than pick out some you know good artists that we really enjoy. So time in radio. You know, Nick had a legendary, amazing experience at Jive Records working on such amazing artists and kind of seeing that industry really at a at really a high point and just kind of uh be part of that and now the work he's doing in my home state here in connecticut is really really exciting so i want to thank nick for taking the time to meet with us i definitely look forward to spending more time with nick in the future not sure how we're going to collaborate but i definitely want to you know keep that that door open and see what we can come with together in the future if you're listening to 16 ounce canvas the art of craft beer podcast remember if you're on the instagram or the interwebs and you have a beer can or label or a brewery that you're at or just you're an artist yourself and you want us to check out your work simply hashtag it pound sign tic-tac-toe one six o z canvas and we will find you folks it's that easy so we do appreciate it want to give a little thanks once again for everybody who participated in the Doodle or Die efforts, 160ZDoodleOrDie.com. You can check out all the great work there. Also want to give a quick plug. Steve Raboyne, Beer Muscles on Instagram, Beer underscore Muscles. So he was active, participated every, you know, every day with the amazing Doodle or Die challenge. Most days he was putting out two of them. And like I said before, we had a great time at the CT Hops for Hope Festival and had the opportunity to meet Steve in person. But what Steve's doing this month, which is I think is super cool, and you can check out his personal account at Steve Raboin, R-A-B-O-I-N, Boin like coin, using the hashtag Creative Superpower Challenge. So each day this month, the month of October 2017, each day is a different superhero, and folks are interpreting those. And he's doing some great illustrations, and it's just really exciting to see that. I mean, he was so active in September. He's a machine, putting out some great work. Again, if you're on Instagram, creative superpower is the hashtag. hashtag. Check it out. Tell Steve we said hello, and we thank you once again for taking the time to join us here each and every week at the 16-ounce canvas. We are the one, the only Art of Craft Beer podcast. Often imitated, never duplicated. But we thank you. Because as they say, I'm not sure who they say is, but imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So we appreciate the imitation. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Until next week. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. This has been another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas.